0: Hello, everyone. Um, I want to thank Nathan for taking over SR44 last week. I am back, so we're back together for SR45, where we are dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. This report is going to recap some of the most notable events in the last week, including DuckDuckGo's announcements to enter the desktop browser scene, and email privacy perks, as well as some other cool things. There was a study conducted breaking down the most invasive companies out there, Colorado has passed the Privacy Act, Reality Winner has been set free, and much more. I'm Henry from TechLore. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And this surveillance report is brought to you by NordVPN, ExpressVPN, and PIA. We got all three sponsors on this one today. Not really, (laughs) these aren't sponsored, but it'd help a lot if you like donate to us through Patreon and you check out our affiliate links and all of our support methods on our website so that we never have to have sponsors and you don't have to hear bullsh** VPN sponsors from us. Wouldn't that be cool? Isn't it cool how that's how things are right now? So yeah, check out our Patreon. There's also cool perks for you there as well, not just for us. This is all free for you, so definitely check
1: it out. This week in data breaches, we're going to start off with Alibaba, who was the victim of a billion record data leak. On June 15th, the Wall Street Journal reported that the, I'm totally going to screw this up, Taobao, e-commerce website a subsidiary of Alibaba suffered a massive data breach a billion personal information records belonging to customers had been collected and they have not been published on the internet so reading this article basically this breach was the result of a rogue employee who deployed a web crawler and scooped up information from customers like user IDs phone numbers and quote unquote sensitive data they didn't really say what that means although uh, phone numbers as, as I'm sure many of you longtime listeners know we would consider that sensitive data in China it's even more sensitive data because a SIM number is used for things like internet access, like you've got to link your identity to get internet, stuff like that. So China is coming down on these guys pretty hard. I I didn't write it down. I think they said they gave them like three years. Our last data breach, this is uh, actually an update. Last year, there was a data breach from a mortgage company called First American. There were roughly 885 million records leaked, the records range from like 2003 to 2019, and the information contained bank account numbers, mortgage records, tax data, social security numbers, and driver's license scans. The update is that the case is being closed. They are settling out of court for a whopping, get this, $487,616 and a cease and desist order. You don't really need to do the math here. If 10% of those records resulted in approvals and each one earned the company just $1, that's still a pathetic fine. Now we're gonna move on to our company
0: news, and Amazon has officially started blocking Google's flock. Again, Google Flock is their new advertising strategy where they're hoping to centralize how they target people in a more, quote, privacy-centric method, which isn't really much more privacy-centric, it's just more centralized to how Google's doing things. So Amazon has decided, no, we're not doing that. And it's pretty abundantly clear that they're doing this because Amazon is also in the data business and there's no reason for them to feed Google with their own monopoly. So this is kind of just a clash between the two major tech companies here. If you want, you can check out the sources. It talks about each Amazon site and how they took different approaches to blocking Flock and the reason why they likely took those approaches for each one. It's a little bit more
1: complex than I'm giving it credit for. Speaking of Google, we have some good news actually. Google has added end-to-end encryption for their messages app. They've also added a bunch of other features. They've added seven in total, but the one that we're really focused on is end-to-end encryption because that's really awesome. So the thing that kind of sucks here, the, the drawbacks about it, it only works with users who have RCS and the messages app. So basically newer phones and of course are using the default Android messenger. If you're using the default Android messenger, make sure you look for the little lock icon. That'll let you know that the end-to-end encryption is activated. And at the moment, it only works for one-on-one messages. It doesn't work in group chats. It doesn't work in calls, uh, etc. So in other words, if you're an android user just use signal you can make it the default messenger so that all your messages go there anyways you can do group calls group chats this is still great i'm glad they're rolling this out but it's kind of like whatsapp there's still better options out there i I think
0: one cool thing about this i'm pretty sure the messages app is the default for android phones so this is almost like by default two people who who have Android devices that are made in the last year who just happen to exchange numbers will at least be using end-to-end
1: encryption. That is a fair point. I I think I read earlier today that Android has like 70% of the market share. So yeah, that that definitely will bring end-to-end encryption to a lot of people. So yeah, I mean, maybe I'm being too hard on it. Our next one is, I think it's a really positive thing. So Google has
0: Google Workspaces, which is their company. It's, it's like Google Drive, but for companies. The issue in the past was that Google Workspace always completely put your data in Google's hands. Meaning if you were a company, especially one where you're dealing with finances, healthcare and defense, Google has complete access to that data. But that is now going to change because Google is going to let companies store their own encryption keys through Google Workspace. As of right now, this means you can put your keys into four different partners who can do it for you. But later this year, you can actually have your own keys for your own in-house service. So if you're a company, you can actually use the entire Google Workspace and they won't have any ability to access your data. It's unclear how this will affect metadata and
1: other account information, but this is actually a really cool thing overall. Next we're going to talk about Facebook. Facebook is awarding a $30,000 bounty for an exploit exposing private Instagram content. The way this vulnerability worked was there's something called a media ID and I guess it was not very complicated because the attacker could brute force it or, you know, social engineer they could acquire it one way or another. And then that would give them access with, you know, a couple extra steps they'd have to access the database, but certainly made the process a lot easier. That would give them access to past stories, reels, private posts, archived posts, things that We're not necessarily meant to be wide open to the public. Facebook has fixed this, but remember, never put anything in digital format unless you're willing to take the risk that it might be made public because you never know when things like this are gonna happen.
0: Our next story is gonna move over to DuckDuckGo, which you likely know for being the private search engine. So DuckDuckGo also has their mobile browser, which is on Android and iOS. Um, but they never had a desktop browser. This entire article is clearly written as some kind of like marketing thing for DuckDuckGo. This is definitely a biased source, but the takeaway from the article is that DuckDuckGo is currently developing a desktop browser. They're working on email privacy protection features. So this is going to be something that sounds like it's going to be similar to SimpleLogin. It seems like they're also focusing on removing trackers from emails. That seems to be a big emphasis on, on, on their service. And then the third thing is they're looking to add a tracker protection thing firewall on Android. This is all overall good. I think it's cool that they're trying to expand. One word of caution is you are putting the following trust in them if you go all in on this suite. All of your browsing traffic through the browser on all your devices, all your search queries because they're a search engine, all of your mobile data because they will be you know handling all of your data through their firewall and all of your emails just keep that in mind they are a US based company
1: DuckDuckGo does have some things that are questionable. They're not a perfect company. Let's move into research. We are gonna start off with a link that kind of made the rounds this week. It's called Big Brother Brands Report. Which companies track our personal data the most? The article says, we analyzed what personal data the world's biggest brands are tracking to discover which company knows the most about us, and towards the end, they give their methodology. Says, we analyzed 58 apps across various sectors to see which permissions they ask consumers for in terms and conditions and privacy agreements. Each piece of information requested by an app was turned into a characteristic totaling 45 data points. So they took a whole bunch of popular apps from all different purposes and um, ranked them by what types of data they request. Unsurprisingly, Facebook topped the list, collecting almost 80% of all legally collectible data. If I remember correctly, the top five were all social media. They have pretty much all the mainstream apps on there. It's, I mean, it's definitely one of those things that I think is totally worth looking at. Might be worth something, sending to all your non-privacy friends to kind of give them some insight. Guys, Facebook, is such a company. I don't get it. Even people who use Facebook,
0: like they say, I don't like Facebook, it sucks to use, and it's everyone hates it. Seriously, people, please just spread the word to everyone you know to get rid of Facebook. They're such an evil company to the core. We're letting this company just walk all over everything that we lo- hold <laughs> dear to
1: our lives because <laughs> screw Facebook. I don't mean to make light of abuse, but that's actually one of the examples I use. Is like at this point, if you use Facebook, I equate that to being in an abusive relationship and every morning you go up to your abuser and say, hey, can you give me another black eye today? And also like, if you do that, you're part of the problem because like everyone mutually agrees that Facebook
0: is just an evil company. And normally I'm really understanding and I try to be empathetic towards people like, yeah, people still have to use Google for school. People still have to use this for this. And it's like, I know some people might have to use Facebook for their their college groups or whatever, I get it. But if you're using this daily just because you want to,
1: Come on, take some initiative. You're better than that. You deserve better. Well, even then there's a difference between I've got to use this for, you know, my college group and I use this to like post memes and talk to people and you, you can use it without embracing it in my opinion. I have not heard a
0: single person delete Facebook and say they regretted it. All right, let's, let's move on. Our next story, it starts off positively. You know, there's people in the hospital. They're dealing with really serious health issues. They can't speak and so they're trying to talk to doctors and so they developed this AI to um, to start learning how to read lips but as you can expect this cool technology is now being repurposed um, this lip reading AI and it's called SRAVI which stands for speech recognition app for the voice impaired this is now being eyed by some big tech companies who are already thinking about implementing this technology into more public transportation and other areas these kinds of technologies are getting better and better and
1: Companies are continually trying to implement them into your day-to-day lives. Our next article is for our more advanced listeners. Some of you may know about this thing called user agent spoofing. Basically, your user agent tells websites what kind of device you're on. It's got legitimate uses, You know, for example, that way they can uh, format the site for a phone instead of a desktop and stuff like that. But it, of course, it can also be used for tracking, so some people like to spoof their user agent. This article, the author lays out several possible ways that websites can actually detect and circumvent it and basically argues that the better bang for your buck is just to control the JavaScript on your device rather than spoofing your user agent. If you're one of the more advanced people who's interested in user agent spoofing, definitely give this a read. Our next article
0: is just a really quick one I wanted to share. So there has been a new vulnerability that affects the Peloton bikes. This attack requires physical access, but it's kind of cool because it bypasses, I believe these Peloton bikes run on some version of Android. It actually bypasses verified boot and it allows remote access to these devices after the physical access was achieved. There's a really cool video on the article that I recommend you watch. It has been patched, by the way, too.
1: Our next story is about health apps. Nine out of 10 health apps harvest user data. I'm sure most of us listening already know that. This is just kind of a reminder that apps are risky. You know, read the privacy policy, ask yourself if you really need them, And it sucks because this particular study was focused on apps like calorie counters, step counters, things where you can like check your symptoms, see if you need to go to a doctor, menstrual cycle trackers. Apparently, those are huge offenders. It just sucks that, you know, trying to keep yourself healthy is now a source of data. Apps are risky. And our final research article is going to be a quick
0: story that I guess if you're an end user, this might be interesting. But if you're someone who manages a company, this is going to be very interesting to you. 80% of organizations that paid the ransom when they were affected by ransomware were hit again. Almost half were hit by the same exact threat group. So this research is showing that prevention is the best strategy for managing ransomware risk and ensuring your organization does not fall victim to a ransomware attack in the first place. I know it's easier said than done, but we always stress the importance of managing security so you don't have to worry about this kind of stuff. Now, we're gonna move over into politics. And we're gonna start with a good, positive, well, it's honestly kind of mixed, but it is generally a positive story. Colorado is now the third state in the US to pass a consumer data privacy bill. Kind of like the other consumer data privacy bills, these are a little bit washed. Some of the good stuff, this allows consumers to universally opt out of ad-based tracking instead of having to make that request for each website or company but the act also lets advertising companies keep tracking consumers if they ask for consent first. There's actually a much more thorough list of pros and cons in the sources if you want to read like the good and the bad things about this Colorado privacy bill. Generally speaking, it seems like the common consensus is it's good we're having this discussion, but it's nowhere near perfect and there's a lot of room
1: for improvement um, happening here. Alright, our next story is also uh kind of a privacy win, Google geofence warrants are becoming less common. This is a really good article that's worth reading, but the basic synopsis is that judges are more and more frequently denying geofence warrants because they're starting to realize that these are really invasive and they're not always great. Like I know we've covered stories in the past about, there was, I believe a guy who was like jogging or biking past a crime scene when the crime occurred, so he got caught up in that warrant. We've covered a couple stories in that vein. Just, you know, a good thing, judges are realizing that Geofence warrants are not always that reliable and kind of problematic and they're becoming less eager or prone to approve them. Next story is really quick, but the US Congress has weighed a moratorium,
0: which is like a pause on facial recognition and biometric surveillance technologies. The reason they're doing this is because they feel there's no oversight and they're concerned about the backlash and the issues with facial recognition and biometric surveillance.
1: Our next story is also a quick one. The Senate has confirmed Chris Inglis as Biden's top cyber advisor. Apparently, this is a new office. This guy's credentials, he's a former NSA deputy director. I believe before that or possibly during that, he was also an Air Force veteran. He did 30 years. He helped oversee the creation of the U.S. Cyber Command. And for the last few years, he was working in a private equity group called Paladin Capital Group. His responsibility will be helping to manage the nation's response to cybersecurity and other digital issues like the Colonial Pipeline attack. He seems like a qualified guy. I'm just not thrilled that he used to be part of the NSA, to be totally honest. Apparently, he's well-respected on both sides of the political aisle. Hopefully, he'll be able to affect some positive change and make the nation a little bit more secure. Our next article is gonna to go to
0: Ireland. The Garda is the Irish Federal Police, and under a new law, refusal to surrender your password can face up to five years in prison and a pretty massive fine. This is done to, I'm sure, fight cybercrime and save the kids and stop terrorism. We, we know the story. The Irish Times understands that in the future, this will extend to stop and searches. So this is a pretty serious, issue that's happening right now we'll keep following to see if anything
1: happens we're going to stay in that part of the world and we're going to talk about the uk the uk government has moved from using rfid tracking of immigrants to 24-hour gps monitoring so previously the rfid tracking only informed the authorities if the person left a specific geofence area so as long as that person stayed in the area they still had their privacy, you know, to some extent. However, with the the new GPS monitoring, even in that authorized area, they're still being tracked 24-7. The tech is currently only being deployed on convicted criminals who have been sentenced to 12 months or more and deportation. Cory Doctoro calls this the tech adoption curve, which is basically we take all this really bad invasive technology and we use it on the people that no one cares about like criminals and stuff like that and then we slowly expand it to everyone else. I'm going to quote the article here. The letter says the government has given itself the authority to use people's data for reasons unrelated to bail. For example, if someone is challenging their deportation because they have a child in the UK, the government can look through that person's GPS data to see whether they visited their child enough times. This is already being used for more than just making sure they stay in their designated area until they get deported. Sometimes the criminals are actually being told that the tracker is an additional condition of their sentence, even though they were never told that in the first place. And of course, I just I love the UK's response, quote, we make no apology for keeping the public safe and clamping down on those who have no right to be in the UK, unquote. Our final political story
0: has to do with China. So China has come out and clamped down on user data with a new security-slash-privacy law, which is actually pretty extensive. Last week, the Chinese Congress passed the data security law, China's first comprehensive legislation concerning digital data. China now has better digital privacy protection laws than the U.S. We are aware that... This is done completely for China's benefit. These are very strict guidelines, well not guidelines, we'll call them guidelines, but these guidelines that companies have to stick to, which pretty much prevent companies from leaking data to other countries. And it also prevents countries from becoming more powerful than the state itself. This is really done to give the Chinese government more power. So it is kind of an interesting perspective to think in some places, privacy regulation might
1: actually not be favorable to the citizens. All right, let's move into FOSS, free and open source software. We're going to start off with a pretty interesting story. Google has open sourced a fully homomorphic encryption toolkit. A fully homomorphic encryption, it's basically encryption that allows for editing without decrypting. So you can make changes to it without having to view it, which is better for privacy and security. Google has open sourced a collection of C++ libraries for implementing fully homomorphic encryption in modern applications. That's actually one of the the things that the article points out is they speculate that the reason we haven't really seen a huge rise in FHE is because there hasn't really been a lot of Open source to work with. So basically, anybody who's interested in working with it has to re- reinvent the wheel from the ground up. And now that this is coming out, hopefully we will start to see more people taking this and running with it because now the foundation will be publicly available. And on a similar note, Google has backed
0: a Linux project to make Android and Chrome OS harder to hack. What this project is, is essentially having the Linux kernel transferred over from C to Rust, the programming language, which I don't think I've heard a single person complain. I think everyone is kind of on board to have Rust be the new language. It would modernize things and make it more secure, and this would also, in turn, make Chrome OS more secure, which is already a very secure operating system. So this is a really good news overall
1: and it could make Linux better. So yay! the next story is pretty short and self-explanatory. The headline says a nasty Linux system D root level security bug revealed and patched. And that's pretty much all there is to it. This is just a friendly reminder that Linux is not perfect. It is more private. It's not a silver bullet. It has its issues and sometimes they don't get caught for a while. Our next story is about the Tor browser and the plugin Snowflake. For those who don't know, Snowflake is a plugin that basically turns your browser into a Tor proxy for people who live in countries where like Tor is blocked. The headline says, Snowflake is moving to stable in Tor browser 10.5. So basically Snowflake up until now, it's kind of been in beta. Now it's finally mature enough that they're gonna put it out as a stable. And if you use a browser that does not disable WebRTC, I think you should consider using this plugin personally, you know, help somebody else out. Really quick. Debian
0: 10 has been upgraded to 10.10. And also, I missed this while I wasn't here last week and I forgot to put it in the sources, but there is now a open source privacy-oriented dating site it's called Alovoa. It's in the sources, so
1: check it out. And last but not least, let's move into our misfit section. We're going to start with a story that I personally am really excited about. NSA whistleblower reality winner was released early for good behavior. She was jailed in 2017 for exposing proof of Russian meddling in the 2016 elections. She's been in a military jail in Dallas ever since, but she was just released for good behavior. She still has to serve a few months of basically house arrest in San Antonio until November of 2021. And then she will be fully free. Our next article is going to go over to Australia,
0: and it's been found that Australian cops have spied on some COVID check-in app data, despite privacy promises that they wouldn't do that. As you can imagine, there was some shooting. And they said, oh, we should find out who did that. You know, a really good resource we could use to get that information. Oh, how about that contact tracing data that we said we wouldn't use for anything outside contact tracing? This kind of pisses me off because whether or not you agree with contact tracing or you even think COVID's real, this is breaking trust in, this, in the system that's supposed to be trustworthy. This is harmful to everyone who is trying to implement something that might be completely trusted. If there was something with 100% privacy, we're not gonna trust it because of stories like this. On a very different note, I wanted to throw this in. At least as of today, I noticed that the CEO of Twitter, Jack Dorsey, followed Fight for the Future, the Tor Project, the Calyx Institute, and Calyx OS. And I think that speaks to how many CEOs don't run their companies with their own personal values. I think that every major CEO of any major company probably really
1: cares about privacy, but they're not going to run their companies with privacy in mind. Our last story this week, a new HTTP spec proposes elimination of obnoxious cookie banners. So this is from our Good friends from last or two weeks ago, Noib and uh, Sustainable Computing Labs, they're basically, they're proposing this new uh, feature. Well, it would be more like a standard or a protocol, but for wrapping our heads around it, we'll call it a feature, where you set your cookie preference in the browser. So, you know, you go to a website and it pops up with, we use cookies, which cookies do you want to allow? And the correct answer is none of them go away. But you have to do that every time you visit a website. Well, this new spec would automatically save that preference in your browser. And then every time you go to a website, it would tell them for you, so you never even see that stupid pop-up. It'll talk to the browser, it'll be like, oh, here's your cookie preferences, cool, gone. And that was all of the news this week.
0: So we actually had, you know what? This was a more positive week. There was some negative stuff too, but I was actually pretty happy with most of the news this week. So make sure to tune in next week. We'll see if it's just as positive or more negative. It tends to be kind of a roller coaster with these things, so we'll have to see. And again, this episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Express VPN and PIA, yeah those three VPNs all decided they're gonna sponsor this one report and I'm gonna list off a whole minute as to how they can protect you from every single privacy and security issue on, on, on the internet but we're not gonna do that because we don't have sponsors and the reason why we can do that is because you guys are all wonderful and you're, you're joining our Patreon and you're checking out our support methods down below and being just great human beings and we really appreciate that and it helps us keep doing this, and we like doing this, and you guys like listening, so thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this SR45, and we'll see you next week. Make sure you subscribe, make sure to share it, and make sure to stay safe out there, and tell everyone you know to delete Facebook, because it's going to hell.